touch with your creator with a bacon love and chew she even speaks hebrew what's that got to do Hey, hey, we are back on What's God Got to Do With It. We're back with the amazing Maddie Jackson. Hello again. Good to be back and finish the story yes. on a little bit lighter note. If hopefully. you've been on the edge of your <laughs> if you seat. missed last week. Yeah, maybe if you had a box ready. of tissues. Exactly. Yeah. This will be hopefully tears of joy. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you missed the last episode, Maddie shared her. Honestly, it's a... It's a one-of-a-kind story, transformation from the inside out, circumstantially and internally and spiritually. Definitely go back and listen to that. But uh, Maddie is an author, a podcaster, a speaker. She's also co-founder of Nashville, a women's philanthropic organization that serves orphans, widows, and victims of human trafficking. She hosts her own podcast, the Enjoy Life podcast, and she'll tell us about that as well. But, you know, really we want to pick up where we left on the last episode, you know, she shared this experience, you know, three weeks shy of their first wedding anniversary, Maddie lost her 28-year-old husband very suddenly to a traumatic brain injury. And since then, she's really used her work and her platform to share her grief, her healing, and her unshakable faith with women and, and men across the country. But really, you know, we we dove into the spiritual side, like what happened underneath and in between all of that that you didn't see and a lot of people don't know really takes place. So, you know, for anyone who is is going through anything and anyone who will be going through anything. So that means anyone listening to this, means definitely, <laughs> yes, go back and check that out. Sorry. But um, really, we we talked about like what got you through those tumultuous times, kind of the survive aspect of God in the hard, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. so now, you know, there's this part of it is like, okay, well, what what happens next when you're in the thick of grief and sorrow and tragedy and trauma? You you It's hard for you to picture life after that or like what is you know, is God going to redeem this? Obviously, we talked about the the struggles that you had of, you know, all the, the gamut of emotions of being mad at God or, you know, feeling like you needed to forgive him and all of these things that are just so relevant and common and human of you. But part of it too is like, I want people to know that there is a beautiful cherry on top, so to speak. You know, we talked about the the extra and the the all the added bonus that happens when you just become you know, comfortable in the knowingness of who you are and whose you are in the midst of tragedy. And like we talked about, there's nothing like tragedy to bring you to your knees and surrender and and ask for God to to fill you up and, and rebirth you and renew you and give you a, a spirit in ways that you maybe didn't have or, or know you needed before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming from where we, we left off on the last episode, talk to us, you know, what has happened in the past few years as the, you know, obviously you started getting to know yourself again mm. and you started meeting yourself as you were integrating with other people in, in the work that you do and then in your your personal life, your social life, your professional life, all of that. So just kind of start bridging the gap for us, bring us into your world and 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 that side of your story. And, and again, hopefully this will be encouragement and hope for anybody who's going through anything. If anybody had hopelessness and, and, and grief and sorrow and wondering like, what the heck God, yeah. you know, you definitely go back and listen to Maddie's story, but, but share, share with us, uh, catch us up. Yeah. 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 I think one of the biggest things for me, and this will sound simple and, and I'm so thankful that I feel like one of our buzzwords just in life on socials with people is gratitude Yeah. because while I will never be thankful for what happened, a big turning point and sort of springboard into life again and joy again and hope again was a shift from focusing on everything that I lost 
and simply focusing on everything that I had. And that sounds trite and simple, but it's really hard. And I think part of what I try to encourage people with now, if they're in the hard, if they're with God in the hard and in the survival is like, don't miss the treasure. Like nothing about what happened to you is good. Nothing about what happened to you or what you're going through are you thankful for? But there's a scripture that says, in everything, give thanks. And mm-hmm. it's it's very specific because it's not for everything, give thanks, but it's in everything, give thanks. And that, that really is, a, again, we talked about agency of choosing small things to give yourself life and joy. And you have the ability to choose one thing to be grateful for that day. And you have the ability to say, listen, man, that guy loved me like a 2000s rom-com for three years. And some people don't get that sort of experience ever. And so for that, I'm grateful. And would I have loved for it to last 10, 20, 50? Heck yeah. Like, but I think the power in gratitude is even greater than we realize. And so I'm so thankful that's something that's talked about a lot. But that's part of what helps you springboard into what's next. And I think the other big thing that was a big struggle for me in a conversation that I have a lot with people is, okay, once I get through survival— once I start to get back to, they call it a new normal, which is kind of an annoying term, mm-hmm. but that's actually what it is. Like there are parts of me that are the same Maddie I've always been, but I'm a very different person than I was five years ago. Yeah. And honestly, the, no, this is not like self-aggrandizing. It's in mostly ways that I'm really glad. Like I've I've grown in ways that I've told people, man, I'm thankful for the ways that I have grown in in compassion and patience and trust it could have taken me till I was 60 to learn. And I, I learned a lot of that at 30. And for that, I am grateful. Absolutely. And, and so I think even once you get to that place of, okay, what is my life going to look like again? Like, how do I move forward in hope? Then you get to the next mountain, which is, do I have the courage to hope? I think that's a thing that people don't talk about. Like it's really scary to hope. It's really scary to Pray for the things that you really, really want again, yeah. coming from a place where you know good and well, yeah. that answer may not be yes. Yeah. It may be yes. Or it's like the last time I hoped, here's what happened. Exactly. And that's really, that's the fear that when you go through any hardship or loss or disappointment, you have to learn how to hold that reality, but also not let that reality dictate what you think the future is going to look like, because that's just not a joyful way to yeah. live. It's not a hopeful way yeah. to live. And it's I think, not faith. And it's not faith. And I think that for me is, and we're focusing on relationships because that's my story, but like, I want to be married. I want to be a mom. That's That has always been the thing that I guess I've sort of idolized and put on a pedestal, which is what I had to also take down. Mm-hmm. Part of that identity conversation is like, if that doesn't happen, I still love who I am and yeah. I love what God's done in my life and I'm going to have a great life. Yeah. But it takes courage to pray for those things again. It takes courage to picture those things again, you know, and knowing that it may not happen. And then even let's double down. Once you get them, once you meet, you know, your Connor, who is my new husband, who is a precious angel, I'd be lying if there's not regular fear of like, please don't let this happen to me again. Mm -hmm. So I think what I want to have people hear is like, I get it's scary to hope, especially after you've lost something. And especially just knowing the way that the world is, it's broken. Like, Everything ends at some point, you know, and my encouragement would be honor the reality that that can happen, but don't let that reality taint your future. Because even if it does happen, I mean, let's like, let's go in on it. 
even if I do lose Connor at some point in this life before, you know, I go, you know, I pray we go together. And that's the dream. Yeah. Like, sorry, future kids, I'll suck for right. you. But like, that's the prayer. Right. Anyway, even if he does, I'm not going to waste however many, hopefully decades and decades we have together worrying about what could happen and letting it taint what's here. Like, don't let yeah. fear rob the joy. The joy only exists in the presence. And yeah, you're going to go through more hard stuff. I'm going to go through more hard stuff. But like, you're not doing yourselves any favors by letting it rob the goodness that you're in right now. Absolutely. Yeah. You said so many important things. You know, first and foremost, it's not like, oh, paint roses and butterflies over a tragic situation. No. It's not like, oh, I'm so glad this happened. But yeah. you can choose how you decide to show up in the face of it and really, you know, glean the lessons of it. Like what is now possible for who who am I going to become in the face yeah. of this? And that's really what happened to you. You you created an entire new identity in the face yeah. of that. And if that's not something to praise God for, I don't know what is. Now, did did it have to take tragedy mm. and and loss and grief to do that? I don't know. That's mm -hmm. not for us to, yeah. you know, psychoanalyze. Right. But it did happen. You accepted the reality, even though the reality sucked, yeah. you know, you accepted 100%. it and you decided this is who I'm going to be in the face of it. I'm going to grieve it. I'm going to go through my process. I'm going to yeah. spiritually, you know, wander the wilderness and figure out who I'm, who I want to be and what I want to do. And you completely recreated your identity. You, you chose to give it the meaning. It was more of a reframe rather than like paint roses and butterflies sure. on, on the, you know, air quotes negative. But the other really, you know, powerful thing that you shared, I want to highlight is really we can positively anticipate our future or we can negatively anticipate our future. Absolutely. It's really that black and white and binary. Like we are doing one or the other, yeah. you know? And so part of it is like, you made a choice. You're like, I'm not going to rob myself of my future by taking myself down this rabbit hole of the what ifs and what if this happens again and all of the, you know, again, the the anxiety, the fear-based mm -hmm. thoughts and you're human. They slip in your mind, they come into sure. your consciousness, but you've chosen to focus on the good and allow your mental real estate be, to be taken up by that hope and that positive anticipation. And, and again, faith, like a big thing for faith is like believing in what you can't yet see or yeah. taste or smell or touch with your human eyes. And just this knowingness also that whatever happens, you know who and whose you are. Yeah. You know, and that wasn't really a part of yeah. this for you before Ben died. Yeah. And so if we, you know, can give God, thanks for that. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, it sucks that Ben died. Yeah. Like yeah. there's nothing yeah. about that 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 was good and we're not mm -hmm. gonna try and reframe that. No. You know, but who you became in the face of it is is this beautiful gift from God. And again, it's a yeah. testament to what's possible when you choose the reality that you're gonna live in even in the midst of unexplicable grief. So there's a scripture that I write in every book that I sign. It's Romans 8, 28. And it says, God works all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And the reason I write that is not to tritely say, everything's going to work out good. Like, that's yep. not the message. It's what I said at the beginning. The message is that if you walk faithfully, and as we talked about in the last episode, you ask God, like, he can't fix he could not fix what was broken for me. I mean, he could if he wanted to, like, but yeah. he wasn't going to bring Ben back to life. Right. That couldn't be fixed. And so if my prayer changed from God fix my circumstance to, okay, I've got to do this. Yeah. Like, I can't not deal with this. God, work the good in me, mm -hmm. even though the situation can't be good. And like, 
that prayer is always wow. yes. yes. I could be a walking testament to that. I mean, yes. what I said, like, don't miss the treasure through the trial. That's yeah. the thing. Like, you are the treasure. Yeah. And maybe you will have these other purposeful treasures, and I pray you do. Like, a book and getting able to serve other widows. Like, amazing, so thankful. But you are the treasure. Mm -hmm. And, like, you are the good. And that is always yes. Mm -hmm. So mm. that's what I would yeah. say. And that's part of where my mind shift kind of really changed for the good yeah. because it was less like make my life okay and it was okay make my heart better like make yeah. me a richer person and yes. that's the biggest treasure of all and that is also what enabled me to have the courage to hope again right yeah. and and to have the stability emotionally and mentally to start dating again and yeah. not be doing it from a place of fear. Absolutely. Yeah. So coming on this theme of like what was made possible because mm -hmm. of who you became in the face of Ben's death, like just share with us some of the ways that you found purpose in that grief. And 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 part of it is I, I picture you even having conversations with Ben and being like, okay, Ben, like I'm Dude, I'm gonna go make you proud. The all you know? the time. So can you share a little bit about that and like what happened off the back of this and how did you turn that pain into purpose? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Nashville. So we function a little bit more kind of as a foundation. We help channel proceeds and profits to nonprofits that serve our orphans, widows, mm -hmm. and trafficking survivors. So through that, there's two specific widow groups we get to work with, which obviously is a large portion of what I do. And I think I heard somebody once say, like, make your mess your message. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a lot of what we all have the opportunity to do, maybe not on that scale, but it's when you go through something, all those women I talked about at the beginning that I had to look to their story to see hope because I didn't see hope in my story. When you become that person, man, that that's one of the most joyful, like fulfilling, grounding, humbling experiences you can have because, man, you know how much your life matters because you're seeing your life impact an individual who doesn't right. see hope. Uh, so. Yes. You know, and again, that doesn't have to be an organization. That may be somebody that, you know, lives in your neighborhood or you work with or someone reaches out to you to be like, hey, my friend just got divorced. Can you counsel? Can you just, like, go get coffee yeah. with her? Like, you have no idea how powerful that is to, to, to bring purpose and joy and energy into your own life. So I would say if you have an opportunity like that, man, lean into it. Yeah. You don't have to have answers. Like, you don't have to no scripture. You don't have right. to be a counselor. You just Absolutely. need to tell them your story yeah. so they can have hope for their story. And then, you know, for me, I've always loved writing. And that was how I processed everything that we've been talking about. And that ended up, you know, being a book and being a memoir. And, and again, I think it just goes back to purpose that made me feel like our marriage mattered. It made me feel like my pain mattered. And it, it made me feel like there was a legacy for our marriage that was really short and in a way to honor Ben. And I think that's really powerful. And it doesn't have to be super profound um, yeah. things like a book. Like, to be honest with you, Ben was a really, really good golfer. And I've always loved sports. Like, I've always played sports, but I never played golf. And so after he passed a couple years later, my brother-in-law and then my other sister's boyfriend were going to play. And I was like, hey, like, I don't know how to play, but can I come with y'all? Like super annoying, like having no idea the yes. etiquette of golf. And I'm like, sure, I'm just going to go Love play it. nine holes of golf. So yeah. ridiculous. But Hopefully I learned you to play scored golf. a touchdown. I scored a touchdown yeah. <laughs> and a three-pointer. Yes. And I learned to play golf and now I love it. And, and it really just started as a way to feel close to Ben 
But then it turned into this thing where, oh my gosh, I love being outdoors. I love nature. I love being active, like, and really learn to play. And Connor's a big golfer. So now it's a thing that God totally like, mm -hmm. hey, just do this to make yourself feel close to Ben. And now it's this whole like life and world. We just, Connor and I just went on a golf trip like to Montana. I mean, it's just amazing. So I say that to say it doesn't have to be profound. It can yeah. be something like that, that, you know, you, you pursue to feel close or to honor someone's legacy that makes you feel purposeful absolutely and joyful yeah i don't even remember the question yeah you no you're, you're we're tracking we're tracking right here but also you just mentioned connor so can you yeah. fill in those gaps for our listeners because you know obviously you were grieving the the death of ben and then of course it's one of those things of like you know hey i still i want this life after mm -hmm. after death so to speak and i want to be a wife and i want to be a mom and all of these roles that that you still had desires to and you were asking god to to fill but there was probably a point when you knew you were ready to start mm -hmm. dating and how did that, and, and you obviously met this amazing man, Connor. So just share a little bit about that and how your growth and your newfound identity came into play as you stepped into, you know, wife in a, in a new light. Yeah. Well, the actual like meet cute story, Connor's sister-in-law is one of my very best friends from college. So I knew him, like we knew each other and had been around it, you know, her kids' birthday parties and stuff like that. But when I started feeling like I wanted to date again, kind of started like joking with Emily, his sister-in-law, my friend, about like, well, you know, if, you know, if you want to just like keep it in the family, like you, yeah. <laughs> I'd love for you to be my sister-in-law, like just kind of joking because I didn't know that much about him. Like I knew he was really handsome and I knew I he had the personality that I'm always attracted to, the big grown-up kid, joyful, playful, just lighthearted, like, and I knew he was a great uncle. Like, I knew he loved their kids and took care of their kids and had sleepovers with their kids, and that's so important to me. So I knew it. I knew him on that level, and, like, he was attractive. And so it, at some point, this became a real conversation, and she said, is this real, or are we just, like, joking around? And I said, I mean, I don't really know that much about him. I said, I think we'd have fun. Like, we might as well, like, go to dinner or something. So they ended up sort of fixing that up. He had no idea what was going on. He was like, this is weird, but like, sure. Yeah. So anyway, it was obviously like immediately we started dating. And and so it's kind of a funny story because I'm like, oh, you got served to me on a platter. You had no idea. Joke's but, on you. Yeah, joke's <laughs> on you. Anyway, to answer your question, I think the difference, the difference that I felt going into that dating relationship versus all the ones in my 20s, including Ben and I's, is night and day. Mm -hmm. Because of that identity thing. Yeah. Like, I I went into this being like, and I told him this straight up, which was probably a little aggressive. I was like, here's the thing. Like, if we move forward, like, if this is something, you need to know that I don't need you. I just want you. Yeah. And, like, to go into a relationship wow. with that sort of stability is so freeing. Yes. Like, like I said, like, and so he's uncommon. a big, huge you know? extra. Like, he is yeah. the extra of my life. But if 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 I lose him, I'll be me. I'll still be me, you know? And so I think that's what I would want people, you know, to hear is as you enter into anything, a dating relationship, especially, or a new opportunity or a new city or a new season, like to have that stability of who you are yeah. just makes space for such an honest and mm. free and like fun interaction with another person or interaction with a new season. I don't know. It just yeah. feels like I've been released of the burden to white knuckle stuff. Yeah. Because you you can't white knuckle anything into, you know, staying. Right. 
and the identity that you carved out that again, you didn't even maybe know that you needed or that you didn't have, or because when we're in it, we're in it, you know, but that is what paved the way for you to show up in the way that you needed to step into this new relationship. And so also for anyone who is coming off the back of any loss of a relationship, whether it's death, whether it's divorce, whether it's just a really hard breakup, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, whether it's your decision or somebody else's decision, it's still hard. And if you have the thought of like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever love again, or I don't know if I'll, and there's that fear again, like you said, Mm -hmm. of hoping. Yeah. What would you say to that? I would say what one of my mentors, widow mentors said to me, she said, I don't know how to explain this, but your heart just enlarges. Like, that sounds yeah. silly. She's like, you don't have kids, mm. but if you have kids, you're listening. It's like, okay, maybe you do have a favorite child, but like you love them <laughs> equally, right? Like right. you have another kid and it just expands it and there is a way. And that's scary. Like, mm. especially in my situation, the one thing I was scared of was how do I be honest with a person mm that I'm going to choose, that I'm going to love, that I'm going to spend my life with and say, hey, look, like, I'm always going to love him. I'm always going to miss him. Like, I'm always going to be in touch with his family because they're always going to, you know, be my family. And in my case, it was even bigger. Like, Connor and I started dating a month before my book came out. For the first six months of our relationship, I was doing that. I was promoting our marriage and my grief and my love for him. And to carry anything you carry into a new relationship is scary. And I think because mine was so big and so public, I had no choice but to just lay it on the table. And I think that's what I would want people to hear is like, obviously don't lay it all on the table the first date. Like there's Mm -hmm. time, you need to have safety and connection Mm -hmm. with a person. Yeah. But there is such grace and such deep connection and relationship when you're secure enough in who you are to bring the scary things that you're carrying with you to a person that feels safe. And like, when you do that, just man, Mm. like the intimacy, and I don't mean physical intimacy, but like the intimacy is so crazy. And I tell people all the time, it's like, I don't love him any more than I loved Ben, but there is a richness in me and a transparency in me and in us, partly because we're older, but partly because of what I've gone through and hard stuff that he's gone through that like, is mind-blowing. Totally, yeah. And it's scary, but if that person, whether it's whatever person, someone in your immediate family, someone you're dating, a spouse, a friend, whatever, if they are safe, and that is the big asterisk caveat, when you can bring those things, man, it's Mm. just beyond. Yeah. It's beyond. It's a next level intimacy because you found that intimacy within yourself and that safety within yourself and that identity with you. And I do want to kind of highlight the order of operations. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you found a calmness and a peace and a worthiness and the identity in who you are and whose you are. And then you brought that with you into every area of your life. And dating was just one of those areas, you know, and it's not a coincidence, air quotes, coincidence, Mm -hmm. right? That you attracted somebody who can meet you in that level of safety Mm. and intimacy and actually embrace it really and honor it and meet you there and bring theirs to the table and the level of connection and intimacy that's available there. It's, it's not possible without doing that first. Yeah. You know, so, so beautiful and so happy for you. And I know, you know, obviously every area of your life has been impacted by that shift for you. So, and that's like really your redemption story when it comes to, you know, finding love and marriage again after Ben's death. How has God redeemed your story professionally and with your purpose and impact that you're making on others? Share with us a bit about your books, your podcast.
how has God redeemed your story professionally and with your purpose and impact that you're making on others? Share with us a bit about your books, your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm so thankful. I just feel floored that it happens. And and one thing that I feel like I hope my life is a testament to people is being a writer has been my dream since I was 19 years old. Like that's what I studied in college. I knew in my soul, you know, you have those weights that you just know this is what's going to happen. And I felt a lot like I was wasting that and, mm. and like veering from the purpose in a lot of my yeah. 20s, although I wouldn't change anything about it. Right. Like everything builds. It all to, paved the way. Everything builds to tomorrow, right, mm-hmm. in a good way. But the fact that not only did God redeem this nightmare that happened to me, he used the nightmare yes. to give me the dream that I always wanted. Yes. And just like that's how good he is. That's like his middle name is capital R, Redemption, Everything. Like that's how he uses the brokenness when we give it to him. But obviously the book is, it's really just my heart on paper. It's like a memoir through the first couple years of my grief and healing. And as you, I think, so nicely put earlier, I, I hope it gives everybody permission to be human. I didn't do this as well as it's probably coming off on this podcast. I made mistakes and I grieved poorly and got angry and, and and things come out sideways. And I include that in my story because mm-hmm. I want people to know like you need to live honestly. And living honestly means feeling the depths of the hurt, forgiving yourself when you don't hurt well, and also never letting go of hope in the other hand. And like wow. that's mm. what you do. So that's lemons. And then, you know, after sort of that coming out in, in the last couple of years, I realized, okay, I don't want this to be the end of my story. Um, I don't want to always be the grief girl and I want my life to move forward. And so I thought, what is the feeling? What is the message? What is the impression I hope people walk away from with yeah. me in the book, on a podcast, you know, at, at coffee or over wine for 30 minutes? Like, and I really felt like, man, you can choose joy. And and then I go back through the book and it's it's just like all through there is like what I learned is pain and joy don't only coexist, but like when you have the courage to go into the depths of the pain, like your well for joy gets deeper mm-hmm. with it. Like they rise and fall together. And so because I have hurt in such profound ways, I feel like my joy basket is just, it's it's overflowing because that's just the reward for humaning hard. I mean, really, absolutely. if you choose it. And so that's what my podcast is, is, is a lot of stories, not necessarily just like mine, but people who are in a season where that joy wouldn't maybe be the immediate, you know, reaction. And so how are they navigating humaning honestly and also making those little choices or big choices like yeah. we talked about to to choose joy because the truth is we don't have a lot of control over what happens to us or around us, but we do have the opportunity to choose things that will mm. bring joy, that will set our mind on things that are are good, noble, worthy, happy. And, and so that's that's what I'm doing. I love it. Yeah, you said so many powerful things, but two big nuggets that I'm so glad that you shared on here is, you know, first that distinction of humaning hard. Mm-hmm. And you said, you know, your mess is your message. And like it, humaning hard can be messy, yeah. you know, but there's so much beauty in the mess and in the chaos, you know, and when you seek it and when you give it the meaning, um, again, don't don't skip over the sock. Like you've got to yeah, feel, you've got to grieve, you've got to be, and there's no, and it doesn't have to be logical or reasonable or, or, you know, any perfect way of doing it. You know, it's just, it just is. 
but giving yourself permission to be in the mess, mm-hmm. you know, but also how you talk about this I- idea that when you experience so much sorrow and grief, it actually expands your capacity to receive love and joy. Wild. You know, and just like you said, your heart gets bigger with each kid or with each, yeah. you know, it really does expand it. And then you become open mm-hmm. to, you know, pain. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of pain is that joy and that love and, and, and the receiving of that. So I'm so glad that you touched on those things. And thank you for just being so vulnerable mm-hmm. and sharing your heart and sharing your message and sharing your purpose because it really, God, I keep saying God has redeemed this, but he first and foremost, he like redeemed your spirit in a Mm -hmm. way. Like you went home and completely recreated yourself in his eyes, you know, and stripped yourself of those, those identities. And then because of that and who you became in the face of that, everything else was possible in, in what you're doing now. So we'll definitely link everything that you shared in the show notes. Before we wrap up, we, we do kind of like a end of show hot seat. Okay. So you, you game. Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. All right, cool. So the first one is this. I'll let you pick one, okay? okay. The first one is um, you can pick between a spiritual soundtrack okay. or a spiritual bookshelf. So spiritual soundtrack would be, you know, a song or a piece of music that has, you know, special significance to you and maybe why, or a spiritual bookshelf. So, you know, maybe there's a book or scripture or spiritual text that has had a profound impact on your journey. So spiritual soundtrack or spiritual bookshelf. I mean, I have to obviously shameless plug lemons on Friday. Okay, there you go. Please, please. I have to. Um, But I'll do the soundtrack there. uh, I was thinking about this and I actually saved a playlist from the first couple months after Ben passed and listened to it sometimes. And there's a song by Mercy Me called The Hurt and the Healer. And that was my anthem for sure for a long time. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. And it's the chorus is I'm alive, even though a part of me has died. You take my heart and breathe it back to life. I'll fall into your arms open wide when the hurt and the healer collide. Mm. So it's like basically that wow, sacred, really sucky but sacred place where your hurt and God the healer collide and, and he restores and redeems and brings you back to life. And, and there's just no greater, again, intimacy or connection or depth with God. I hate that that's what happens, but mm. it really is like any other relationship, like, when you go through the fire with a person yep. and you survive, like your yeah. connection and your trust and your intimacy is so much richer. And like, oh, that's yeah. true with God. Absolutely. So yeah. it's a powerful oh, song. I love that. I love that. And of course, plug in your book as well. Yeah. We got, we got both. We got yeah, the soundtrack and the bookshelf. Awesome. This next question in our hot seat, I call it failures redeemed. And obviously a part of it you've already shared, but maybe there's something else that comes to mind too, but like share about a time when your faith was tested or when you found yourself in a situation that felt like a failure or a setback or a regression, but God used that and redeemed it and turned it into a massive blessing or lesson. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned closing my business at the beginning which really felt like a huge failure, even though I felt God being like, yeah, this is the right move. But I look back in the number of times that I just was almost tearfully thankful that that happened because if anybody's in like the hospitality industry, you know, and it was new and it was my business, like I was, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day. And that's fine. That's what you do. That's what you put into it. And I knew in my heart, if if I had not had those two months or two and a half months of that summer where I was just with him, we traveled with both our families, like got a puppy, like we did the whole thing. And if I hadn't had that, I knew I would be living with a lot of regret. And so I think in that failure, quote unquote, which it was kind of a financial failure, God gave me that summer, which I think in turn spared me from a lot of of regret. 
Wow. And I'm so thankful for that. And and I think if you want to double down on a spiritual level, there are, well, it was one time specifically, but a couple times, you know, I talked about not always humaning hard well or grieving mm-hmm. well. And there were a handful of times where I really went to the wrong place and the wrong person to try to just, I think, feel safety and love wow. and like we all do. Yeah. And 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 I remember a specific moment just feeling one morning so ashamed, you know, of of the way that I had tried to kind of comfort myself and like going to knowing as a crit, like knowing that what you do is you confess to the Lord and like he dude, you're covered. Like you're yeah. forgiven. There's nothing. But just feeling so much shame that I literally like physically had my head down and like my mm-hmm. shoulders hunched as if there was a physical person that I was confessing to. Couldn't even like pray about it. And it was again that same like kind of in my head voice, like the Job story. And it was it was Jesus being like, Don't hang your head. This is what I died for. Mm. Wow. And like, Boom. I mean, just I've chills again saying wow. it. And it's like obviously, like that's the gospel. That's what I've said I've believed since I was 12 years yeah. old. But to be in that failure, that like yeah. moral failure, emotional hangover failure. Yeah. And to just hear again, like, from God, like, yeah. don't, not only are you forgiven, but, like, don't hang your head. Like, yes. look at my face. Like, run in my arms. Like, this is what I died for. Yeah. Is And that's, and then, so I carry that with me. Like, any any time that I feel shame, it's like, I, I re-experience that moment. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not just tolerating you. Like, I came so that you never have to feel this way again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, and this is why we need him. Yeah. This is why we can't do it on our own. Yeah. Because we would hang our head and slump our shoulders yeah. and carry that around in a rabbit hole for days, yeah. weeks, months, who knows, our whole lives. Yeah. And that you grace know? is so much bigger in the failure moment. Absolutely. And it's that repetitive reward, so mm-hmm. to speak, from that moment that you, yeah. and you, you got the lesson. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything. Dude, thank um, you for having so me. So grateful. Yes. Where can people find you and follow you? Yeah. So I'm just Maddie Jackson on Instagram, Maddie jackson.net i have like my book and the podcast link my podcast is called enjoy life it's i-n-j-o-y life and that's basically where i am (laughs) i love it well thank you so much for being here um and this is us signing out for now bye thanks bye We'll be back with more What's God Got to Do With It. But in the meantime, I would definitely love to hear from you. So just tell me where you are in your story or maybe what questions you have. Like, where do you feel you need clarity or support or wisdom in your own journey? I definitely want to hear from you. So head on over to whatsgodgottodowithit.com and scroll down to the form to share your thoughts, your questions, your feedback, and you can do that instantly. So whatsgodgottodowithit.com, you'll find all the ways to do that. And if you like this podcast and want to hear more, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get your weekly dose of What's God Got to Do With It. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review to show your support. It really means so much. What's God Got to Do With It is an iHeartRadio podcast on the Amy Brown Podcast Network. It's written and hosted by me, Leanne Ellington. Executive produced by Elizabeth Fazio. Post-production and editing by Houston Tilly. And original music written by Cheryl Stark and produced by Adam Stark. Adam Stark.